Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Seventy one. The important number for today, Penn State football played 71 players on Saturday. I'm Thomas Frankar. He is Sean Fitz. This is the BWI Live Recruiting Show. We're going to be talking about recruiting today, uh, but Fitz, it was the Delaware list, so not necessarily a whiteout uh, level of, of people coming to Happy Valley for uh, recruiting. So we're going to be looking at Penn State freshman class today. See how they did in their debut. Fitz, how are you doing today on your Monday debut here on the show? I'm doing great. Hopefully everyone else is doing great. I know Greg and Ryan are doing great. They're going out on the Phillies game today, so we don't have Ryan, but it's okay. Coming off that Delaware recruiting weekend, I think he needed to rest up because it was such a such an amazing list. So taxing. So many people to call. So many uh, conversations to have. Um, but let's have that conversation about Penn State Delaware. Uh, the Kind of a, a high-level takeaway. We, we can get into the game and what you think about it in just a second, but what were your thoughts on Penn State's performance overall um, in a game where it kind of went according to script. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we kept waiting for something to happen. And I know the, the long run is something people are going to fixate on, but uh, you know, a couple of years ago they had Villanova in town and Villanova gave them issues. Yeah. Delaware did not give them issues whatsoever. And Penn state uh, you know, you, you came into it trying to find the catch. I think it was, and you came out of it thinking Penn state did what they wanted to do. 
whenever they wanted to do it. And they didn't do it just by gashing them with big plays. And that was a lot by design on Delaware's behalf, yep. playing those deep safeties. Um, and that's kind of like, you can spin that. And that's kind of what you want to see out of Drew, like is, is making the right decisions, taking the underneath stuff, taking the stuff where you're going to bail out and get out of the pocket and find Dante Cephas for a nice chunk. You know, the, those things are what you're looking at from a decision-making standpoint, because those things are going to, what's going to come and benefit you when you can't, you know, just rely on going 80 yards with Nick Singleton, you know, yeah. when, uh, when Ohio state and Michigan are on the other side of the field. So um, really like liked it from that aspect. The efficiency was there. Um, like uh, n- nothing is perfect in college football, but Penn state was, was pretty darn good on Saturday and, and going back and watching it, it was kind of the same. Like it was, uh, um, it was uh, very cathartic to watch that, and just uh, would they have two punts and then a, mm. a, 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 a drive that ended at the end of the game? Like that's that's pretty great. And if you look across college football, not everybody's doing that. Ohio State, you know, had a little had a little tough time this weekend with Youngstown State. So you know, if you're setting the standard for those programs that you want to beat, Penn State's uh, right where I think where where it wants to be uh, going into week three. Uh, you mentioned consistency and efficiency. Drew Aller with a 84, I think it was, percent completion percentage. And that's there's okay. probably, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. There's some, I, there's probably a couple throwaways mixed in there as well. So if you look at his pure, like adjusted completion percentage, it, it might even be higher. I haven't had a chance to go and look in that because I was doing the film study of the defense first last week. Uh, but I did, to your point, digging into some of the film of, I've never seen. So, you know, from a coverage perspective, if you have a too high defense, the middle of the field is open. But if you drop eight players on every single play, you can keep a safety in the middle of the field no matter what. And when Penn State's running two deep routes, they've got 12 personnel on the field. They're running basically two route patterns. There's not going to be a whole lot unless you have a terrible defense on the other side of the field. And Delaware, for their part, you know, the, the, the difference in athleticism and talent is clear. But that's a good, well-coached defense, and it was a good, well-coached offense. So Delaware is not like – this is not Idaho from a couple of years ago. This was a good football team that was obviously overmatched from talent, but they did things that intentionally frustrated the, the Nittany Lions, and that's why they had drives of 13, 9, 9, and 9 for touchdowns the other day. Yeah, and you, you hit it. They're well-coached, so they're in the right spot. You're not necessarily going to win those physical battles. Um, but they were in the right spot a lot of times. Yep. So that, I mean, that's a pretty good football team. I mean, quarterback, I think is going to be an issue for them in terms of accuracy. I mentioned it coming out of week one against Stony Brook. There were some balls that, that should have been picked off um, that were not um, Penn state did get their hands on the football a couple of times, which is something you wanted to see from Penn state, something you expect to see from Penn state when they play an FCS opponent. So that that's good to see, but uh, yeah, Delaware, I think gave them the looks that they wanted to get. And, and, and again, the processing from drew, the pitch and catch, like it, how many times did you look out and see, you know, an open receiver? And there's been times in the past when those guys have been missed or yep. missed in the sense that you're not going to be able to turn around and run. I mean, Drew seems to have a pretty good connection with Tyler Warren. We saw that from a pitch and catch aspect several times on Saturday. And I think that those things are kind of what's going to keep games going, what's going to keep drives going, which which is going to, you know, eventually uh, end up in points against uh, opponents that are not at, at a level that Delaware is at. So I think there's encouraging signs that can be gleaned from this. You're not going to look at it and say, well, it's great that Penn State overwhelmed, you know, FCS opponent. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, yep. But there are there are like microaggressions, I guess you could say <laughs> that you could look at uh, Penn State's offense, especially and, and say, hey, they're 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 doing the things that we thought that they were capable of doing. 
Yeah, one thing, one last thing I'll say about this uh, is that this is also a good warm-up for one of the teams that they're going to see on the schedule because guess who plays three safeties? Ohio State's defense coming from the Big 12. West Virginia similar in terms of kind of coverage shells and amoeba defenses, and then you've got just the straight-up, here's a three-safety defense to practice against. So Penn State, uh, you know, different animal when you're talking about what Ohio State does it with and their aggressiveness with the front, but a good opportunity to see guys, uh, for guys to see, you know, a similar situation to what they're going to see later in the year. And it's, it's, it's a great warm-up the first two weeks to get through these with, with such ease from the quarterback position. Steven says, thanks for all the coverage, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the channel. Had a ton of people. Uh, come up this weekend at the tailgate show talking about uh, watching the show all the time. And I just want to say thank you so much uh, for, for supporting what we do here on the BWI YouTube channel. Ryan back as well. Excited for the Illinois business trip. Got a good big 10 test for defensive tackles. Gap soundness must improve from the linebackers. If you can give me something quick on that, and then we got to get to something uh, before we get, uh, before we move on your thoughts on the defense and obviously the, the concern coming out of this game from Penn State fans. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fingers going to be pointed straight at Tyler Elston, basically. And I think that that's where people have gone to, um, which, you know, he's he's got to be better. That that middle linebacker spot needs to to figure out where it's at from a depth perspective, where it's at from a reps perspective. Um, you know, it's good that you get the younger guys in there, but uh, that's two weeks in a row where you're kind of pointing the finger and, and you're kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I I see it, and even though that big run, yeah. you know, was on Elsden, I think you could you could talk about the uh, the interior guys as well. KJ Winston overran it, um, which was I think the guy that eventually would have taken over the gap that uh, Elsden did not fill. So um, the, I think there's a little bit to be spread around, but gap soundness, you know, that's the 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 theme of the really the off season. You know, with the, yeah. with the defensive tackles, it's all going to be focused on the defensive tackles. But it's everybody. It's you know, it's finding that that second level, and I think that that's where Penn State. Uh, you know, if you do have concerns coming out of this game, which I think they're probably a little bit overblown until they get to Michigan. You know, that's that, that's where <laughs> it's not a problem until it's a problem, and then when it's yeah. a problem, it's too late. So um, yeah. I think that that's where I'm I'm standing with that group. But I think that that Mike needs to be better. Um, you know, I, I don't think we saw a ton of Kobe King. This weekend, I don't I actually don't even think he showed up on the stat sheet this weekend. Um, but yeah, there, you want to be able to be serviceable in that area. Yeah, two deep, three deep. Keon Wiley got in there a little bit. Tamir Robinson got in at the end as well. But you know, you want to see more out of that spot. We're talking about the well. We're we're actually not going to be talking a whole lot about the business trip, as Ryan said uh, in the comments, going to Illinois this week because we're focused on Delaware and the players that played this week before we move on to that game. But after that, it is the biggest game in college football. And it, I, I know that it's Iowa. I know that it's in September. I know that Ohio State and Michigan are on the schedule, but it's the whiteout, guys. Join the most exciting atmosphere in college football. And to do that, you need to have tickets. Ticksmangym.com is your place for it. And I've updated so that if you're watching here on the YouTube channel, you can actually see his phone number. It only took me, you know, uh, four or five weeks, but it's the 302-521-8380. That is the number you want to call. If you've been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets, Jim at TixmanGym.com, formerly at PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware, for over 25 years. 
Every buyer is handled with courtesy and respect. Every ticket purchased is guaranteed, and most every ticket is going to be transferred to your Ticketmaster email address. Proceeds are used to fund the PSUAA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. Get your white out tickets now. Homecoming is coming up as well. Michigan, Ohio State is on the road, but Michigan is at home. Uh, go to TixmanJim.com, or you can contact Jim directly at his email, TixmanJim at gmail.com. And once again, the number is 302-521-8380. And we want to see you, yes, you, at the Penn State football game. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so a little bit more about some of the things that you saw from the Penn State uh, offense and defense. Getting to a little bit more specifics um, with with the offense and that methodical drive that they had going on during the game. When the backups got in, did you see the same level of consistency? And, and going into some of those young guys that we said we were going to highlight here on the show, what were your thoughts of uh, from an offensive perspective, uh, the guys that got into the game? You're on mute. I am on mute. Thank you. Um, I, you're never going to see the same level of consistency, but you're going to see some things that you like to build on. And uh, on the offensive side, it's probably a little bit more difficult on the offensive side because the defense, you can just turn them loose. Uh, we saw a couple guys from the defensive side that popped like on first viewing. So that's always a good sign. Um, and then when you go back in the second time, it's uh, it, it's also, you know, what you thought you saw on Saturday. So that's good. Yeah. Um, you, you focus kind of on the offensive side, Anthony Donka and Javen Williams got in there, got some extended reps. You know, Chimney Ono got in, I think, the last drive of the game on the offense. But those two guys got in there for some extended reps. It's about what you'd expect based on the preseason chatter. Um, you hit some, you miss some, which you're a freshman offensive lineman. And I, I don't care if you're going up against an FCS opponent, you're a freshman offensive lineman. You're going to miss some blocks. Um, but they they were they looked like they belonged physically. They were not thrown around. I thought Javen Williams, for a guy that we've talked about his past sets being very much a work in progress based on his background in, in a wing T running offense, playing guard. Yeah, thought he looked okay. Thought he thought he held up okay there. Um, they had some nice blocks on the big Trey Potts run, uh, where both of them kind of opened the hole, like two freshmen opening a hole for a running back. That was a pretty good pretty good job by those guys. So yep. I think those are the two that you look at and you're you feel you feel pretty decent about where they stand. You understand the percept or the the perspective of where they are. You know they are true freshmen. You're not asking them to go in there and move people around. You're not asking them to go in there and be even even what Drew Shelton was last year because of the guys that you have ahead of them. Um, but they, I thought they did a pretty good job, and I think for for first showing, that's pretty good. Um, I mentioned Jim Neono got in there. Um, he held up okay, even though I think he he just played with half his body. <laughs> his his feet did not move much, um, but he I thought he did okay. I think the biggest surprise with with that is Ono got in. Alex Berkmeyer did not, which yeah. you know go back six months, go back eight months. That's a that's a big surprise right there. So, yeah. um, but but those offensive linemen, the guys that got in there, I thought I thought held up pretty well. Very very much looked like freshmen, but at the same time did enough nice things where you're coming out of it thinking, okay, they they've got something to build on right there. 
Yeah, and the, the reason I wanted to ask you about the offense first is because I, I haven't had a chance to watch those guys yet. I was curious to get your opinion on them and, and kind of set the what my eyes should be looking for when I look at it later. But clearly, the guys that showed up for Penn State on the uh, on the stat sheet and when you watched it was the, uh, the Penn State defensive freshman making some big plays. Uh, King Mac, Tony Rojas... Uh, even Elliot Washington got on uh, the the screen, even though it probably was for a pass interference call, which I thought was a little bit uh, not. Bit yeah, that was not a pass interference call. He's just faster than the other guy. What were your What were your impressions of the freshman group on defense and their performance uh, late in the game? So I know I'm going to forget about it, so I'll bring it up now. Elliot Washington, very very fast. There was one play that um, he where the the ball was going away from the guy got got kind of squared loose. And then you just saw some acceleration out of nowhere for Elliot Washington. Like that dude can fly, flat out fly. I don't know that he's he's got it down yet from a corner standpoint because I think Zion Tracy is, is ahead of him right now um, at, at from the actual position standpoint. But man, that guy can fly, and it's it's a different level of speed that you're used to seeing, um, especially you know that late in the game against an FCS opponent. So that's good. But got to go with King Mac here, man. Uh, we, we said it after the game. He was pretty fantastic like this is a guy that you look at that number nine of course it's a different build of a number nine than you're used to from penn state for the last couple of years yeah but he was active um he does not mind hitting i i, I know he's not a big guy but he does not mind filling that uh filling that space and, and yeah and closing fast uh was really impressed with king Mac. He had a nice third down coverage stop um the, the, the ball wasn't there but but he was so that's uh certainly how you would grade that so King Mac, I got to say that that was inspiring. Um, he's going to be a guy that's a green light, or he already is a green light, but he's going to he's going to play. I think every week, um, especially on special teams, it's going to be tough to crack that safety depth chart. But that kid's got some talent, man. So um, for a guy from coming coming this far, far from Florida, get him engaged, get him involved, do everything that you can do to I guess keep him happy where he's at, um, and you've got something there for the future. Yeah, one of the just to kind of underline that, you would think five nine. What what is he like? One eighty five right now. Um, I think he's listed at five ten one ninety. Um, yeah. But he's if he's five ten. I mean, somebody he he got somebody to uh, to put some lifts <laughs> in or something like that. Five five ten one eighty eight is where he's at yeah. on the official roster. He's just a I think a smidge shorter than five ten. But we'll give him five ten. Yeah. He looked like five yeah. ten. Yeah. Five ten one eighty eight, and you'd expect a guy like that. We talked about him as a slot player as well on third down. That's where he was playing on the uh, on the third down defense during the game, and yet when he's out there with the regular defense and the you know the second string has come in, he's playing boundary safety. He's the guy filling in the box at five ten. I just I'm so impressed by his physicality and his ability to lay the wood. He is a guy that hits, and as you mentioned, like just the the uh, the ability to fill in the run game, all of those things. There's there's not a whole lot he can't do from a talent perspective, and it's just honing in on what do you want him to do. And when you have that versatility and you have two guys like him and uh, and Elliot Washington, this is what I was marveling at is I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, you know, I know that Penn State has some top-line corners and they have a really good secondary, but these guys might move better. Like, they just move different. Him and Washington, their explosiveness of the football was really fun to watch late in the game. Yeah, and and sometimes for those freshmen, they don't know what they don't know, and it's yeah. it, it's the most pure form of what they can offer. Uh, Mac was that way. 
Uh, Jameel Lyons was that way. I thought Jameel Lyons looked very explosive on yeah. Saturday. Of course, limited in terms of what we saw, but like he was all over the place. And when you hit somebody, you're a true freshman, and you hit somebody, and the entire stadium goes, ooh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, I understand yeah. that, you know, I hope everybody's okay coming out of that. It's the first career sack, so that's great. But, man, that that kid smacked that quarterback, and it was uh, it's, it's good to see. And, you know, at a position like defensive end where he's not necessarily going to work into the regular rotation, um, when he gets out there and, and is able to shine in limited spells, I mean, that's a, that's a good sign. This is a guy that they were extremely high on in camp. And this yeah. is, uh, it's cool to see, you know, the Tracy, Rojas, Lions, those were the three guys that we kind of leaned on with our reporting uh, in August in terms of uh, freshmen that can make an impact. And it's cool to see them sort of do what they are projected to do, again, with that perspective of what you can expect from a true freshman. Uh, Rojas, I think we're, I'm going to talk about him. Maybe yep. I was just zoned out by then, but I didn't notice Rojas as much on first viewing as I did when I went back and looked. Um, yeah, I think I missed how well he played. He looked he looked more comfortable than he did in week one. Um, I know it's a different you know different atmosphere, different everything, um, but he looked more comfortable. He looked like he knew where he was going, and and I think that that was encouraging. As you try to build that linebacker depth and try and figure out is what's the next step for what you need to do to put your most effective guys out there. So um, week one to week two, Rojas was one of those guys I think made the, made one of those jumps. He was really impressive watching him do some of those linebacker type things as a guy coming from defensive end. And, you know, he's got that he's got that contact ability. And I love this from Penn State of recruiting really explosive defensive ends and moving them to the will linebacker position because he's they're able to naturally they have a feel for how to slip blocks and how to play through contact. And he did some really impressive things, as you mentioned, um, you know, kind of playing that will linebacker position in between the tackles, as you mentioned, which you're, you're maybe not going to notice them right away. But then when you go back and look at it, I'm like, this is kind of, this is a template of how Manny Diaz wants a, a linebacker to fill that gap, which is to be aggressive, to be confident and to get downhill. And uh, it's just, it's fascinating watching him, fill that gap and be uh, be an effective linebacker. Were there any of the other guys? I know they, uh, I'll just give you the list of the players and you can, anybody you want to uh, point out here. We, we mentioned Zion Tracy just a little bit. Kavion Keys, uh, Lamont Payne, Tyreek Blanding were the other guys that got in the game on the defensive side of the ball that, uh, you know, on that final drive, I think Blanding and Payne were the guys that got in there. Kavion Keys flashed a little bit. Any of those guys stood out to you? Uh, Zion Tracy on kick coverage. Uh, he made that play where, for whatever reason, the Delaware receiver or returner wanted to bring it out from six or seven yards deep. Uh, tried to get the corner. Zion Tracy did not let him get the corner. Now, was Zion Tracy maybe a little bit out of position in the first place? Maybe a little bit, but mm -hmm. he had the speed to close. He closed, and I think they tackled him, what, on nine or something like that. It was really good, uh, really good closure there for Zion Tracy. Still see some more on on. I would like to still see some more on corner. There's not. I don't think there's just enough there to to evaluate yeah. that. Uh, Kevion Keys played one drive. I think had one tackle. He was active. Mm -hmm. Like he was, uh, you know, a guy that's been on the scout team, a guy that uh, we don't really expect to factor in this year. But he was active there, so I think that, that was good. Uh, no real notes on Tamir Robinson, type landing those guys. Uh, Jackson Smola had a really, really nice handoff. I don't know if you guys got that or not, but uh, <laughs> other than that, that's about it. Uh, I was a little yeah. bit surprised that maybe Cam Wallace didn't get some run. I, I think it's really cool that uh, Tank Smith, Tyler Holsworth, those program guys, um, yeah. guys that have been around a long time, guys that you, you know, you, you 
want to reward in that situation, get those carries. That's great. I was just a little bit surprised. We didn't see maybe Cam Wallace, London Montgomery, one of those freshman running backs get in there. Um, and then, you know, you get to the red shirts. I thought Christian driver did some nice things. Um, I thought, uh, he was, you know, it, it's going to come up as the son of an NFL player, but he looks like a pretty natural football player. He was yep. throwing himself about, uh, blocking, doing some good things. So, uh, I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's great to see these young guys get in. It's great to see these old guys, uh, you know, take a seat. We didn't see Olu after what midway through the second quarter, same for Hunter Norzad, get some of those yep. younger guys in there, get Nick Dawkins in there to get him some snapping work and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those times when you can only evaluate what's in front of you. And that's kind of how we uh, have gone about with this, uh, with this Delaware game. Today's show brought to you by bird dogs. And I know that this is uh, one of our favorite sponsors here on the show fits. How have you been enjoying your bird dogs over the last month or so? We haven't really had a conversation about this in a little bit. So what has your journey been lately? Cause mine has been sitting right here doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. I'm still enjoying them. Still enjoying the, uh, every aspect of them, including the tumbler um, that I've got here. I think I missed the logo on that one. Um, but uh, no, still wearing them, wore them to the uh, West Virginia game actually. Cause uh, I could get away with that. That was uh, that was pretty fantastic. Pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable night uh, in, uh, in happy Valley. I know it was hot tailgating all day, but the bird dogs kept you cool. So that's uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Big fan of their product. Big, big fan of them. Uh, supporting us here on the show. Yeah, and if you want to, by the way, the, the promo code is BWI, birddogs.com backslash BWI. And the new deal is the tumbler. You missed the tumbler, but there is the hydro flask style water bottle that they can get you with your free uh, free with your first order from birddogs.com. Uh, we got a second hat. I mentioned to you uh, the last time we were talking about this that I didn't have the hat to show you because my wife took it because she liked it so much. She has uh, taken that hat as her own, but for my birthday, because she listens to the show, and I literally walk around being like, man, I love these shorts. She got me an extra pair for my birthday. So we have enough hats to go around. We have extra shorts. So birddogs.com, not literally putting my money where my mouth is as well, that like I, we bought some of these shorts because I like them so much. Getting into the chat here, we got some things we got to clean up before we get into the next segment. Justin Warner says, first time being able to watch live. Thanks for all the hard work you guys put in. Much appreciated. Justin, thank you so much for that. Thank you for the donation to the channel. Everyone's in a good mood on Monday morning with the, the Penn State football win. I want to say thank you to everyone here. And if you're enjoying the show, we got uh, you know a good crowd, more than we do normally on a Monday morning after uh, a sleepy sort of Sunday. Please like the video, share with your friends so that we can make sure we have a great crowd every single day. It doesn't matter if it's post-Delaware or post-Whiteout. We're giving you the same effort, giving you the same intensity. We hope that we have the same crowd each week, and we want to grow it each week as well. So sharing and subscribing is the way you do that. Matthew Andrews back. Liam Andrews' father. Hey, guys, long time no talk. West Virginia game was amazing. Wife and I went with Liam, 110,000. Uh, Miami versus Texas A&M, NC State, and Notre Dame games are big games in smaller stadiums and not sold out. So... Uh, Penn State fans, you've been putting up a good showing for your team throughout the first two the, weeks of the season. The crowd on Saturday was fantastic, I thought. Like, you know, for Delaware, you're you're expecting half the student section or whatever. I thought I thought the crowd was great. Like I, you know, 108,000. Yeah, OK. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that that was a really good showing by Penn State fans uh, for a noon kick in September um, with you know, traffic that's obviously going to be an issue when anytime you're trying to squeeze that many people uh, few uh, on that few roads. Um, I think it's, it was a good showing for Penn State fans, a good showing for Delaware fans, too. Like uh, everywhere yeah. you look, there was Delaware fans. I think they uh, enjoy the uh, 
the uh, the atmosphere as much as anybody, even though the game didn't turn out on their their end. But I think they I think they had an inkling of that going into it. Yeah, there were there was a, a good number of Delaware fans, and they blended in pretty well because Delaware is blue and yellowish gold. So like you had to look, and then you're like, oh, that's a Delaware shirt, huh? Wow cool that they're here they're, they're proud of their hands man I yeah go down on vacation in delaware there's delaware stuff everywhere they're they're proud of that program as they should be it's one of the one of the really good programs on the east coast so uh great game great crowd great crowd here on the live show again just one last time if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing so that we uh can get you all of the great stuff here on uh, the BWI live show. Coming up in just a little bit, we are going to get to the BWI mailbag, but we do have to talk about some recruiting on the recruiting show, and it was a shorter list, but Fitz, are there some interesting names that you want to pull out to talk about? Um, even if they're not like high-profile pl profile players, but players that are just interesting to you of who made the trip to Happy Valley for the Delaware game. Um, unfortunately, this is probably the... I don't want to say the worst because it, it kind of degrades the guys that were there, but this was the least interesting visitor list. I think I've, I've covered 35, 36 guys there. Lancaster Catholic bought a, brought a group that was a dozen deep. So like two dozen recruits that were not from that group. So um, not much floating around uh, a bunch of 2024 walk on type uh, for the mm -hmm. most part. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we, we expected uh, Elias Coke from Harrisburg to be there. He was, he was the headliner coming into it. And their game got bumped uh, with weather, you know, all around on Friday night. Their game got bumped to uh, Saturday morning against Mannheim Township. So the, the lone guy that we had marked as an offer guy, he wasn't able to come. And that, you know, that's completely expected when you move your game. Uh, Quentin Martin was back. So that's cool. Uh, he's two for two this year in uh, trying to figure out who's going to win the crown among the uh, 2024 commits in terms of most games. That's a good start for uh, for Quentin Martin. Uh, but I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this uh, on this visitor list. Unfortunately, you said who yeah. uh, <laughs> we have our rundown here. Fitz discusses the interesting name, and I just responded, "Who is the interesting name?" And that's <laughs> not a slight on anybody that showed up, but it was uh, it was uh, a different type of visitor list, especially coming a week after uh, West Virginia. I, I kind of figured that when I looked through the list, and none of the names looked familiar, so I was like, "Well, hopefully, there's one guy that I just don't know about, and uh, and and the recruiting experts are going to have the uh, well, T. Frank, this is what you should know." But that's yeah, a couple. That I mean, uh, Charlie Lamore, it's a quarterback from uh, a 2025 quarterback from New Jersey. He's got an Akron offer, so Joe Joe Moore had looked at him and offered him. Uh, Gavin Marshallak from uh, Mount Carmel, the 2026 quarterback. He, he feels like he's been on the radar. Um, things like that. Uh, Patrick Smith from Mount Lebanon, 2026 quarterback. So, I mean, there's, there's talent there. And like mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's not me trying to, to talk down. It's just very different than what we're used to on a week to week basis, especially when you've got West Virginia uh, mm -hmm. helmet stripe one week, you got Delaware. And then in two weeks, you've got a whiteout, which is going to be a bit different, I guess I yeah. would say. <laughs> will be I I don't want to I don't want to be uh predicting your schedule but I imagine that the whiteout list is going to be something we talk about quite a bit even during the Illinois week because the the ramp up to that and and just how much people love that particular game it's obviously something that everyone knows about so it's, quick rundown I mean, it's, it's the whiteout and it's going to be warm out I think so yeah. like those two things go really well for Penn State when you're talking about uh, hosting potential official visitors but mostly unofficial visitors 
Uh, quickly, just run down a couple of uh, things I whipped up from the Friday scoreboard. Just give you a rundown of how Penn State players uh, fared this past weekend in the class of 2024. Ethan Grunkmeyer got a narrow win over the Olentangy Orange, 17-10. to uh, Good game because uh, that particular um, team that they played last year, I think that was a blowout in terms of like, uh, last year, Grunkmeyer's team lost to that team big, and this time they were able to come back and get a great win. Uh, Anthony Specka and uh, uh, the Central Catholic beat uh, Bethel Park 63-46. to I was watching a little bit of that with um, Peter Gonzalez and, and Anthony Specka out in that game. Uh, it was 22-3, to I want to say, before they got out of the first quarter. So going through that a little bit today. Quinton Martin, Bell Vernon defeated McKeesport 21-14. Uh, Cooper Cousins and McDowell lost to North Allegheny 43-24. John Mitchell and Antoine Belgrave shorter. Mandarin beats Riverside 50-24. to And then I was trying to find, like, the team... Uh, players, so we get as many of the players in a short order. Donnie Harbor, Corey Smith, Catholic Memorial beats Milwaukee Lutheran 47 to nothing. So those are your Friday scoreboards. We'll obviously have more about that throughout the season, talking about the Penn State football players that are committed to the class and how their senior seasons are, are going. Uh, last thing we get to here on the show is your segment. Coming up right now, it's the BWI Mailbag. We have some great questions in the chat. And of course, throw those in right now and give us your most thought-provoking, interesting question for the mailbag. We got a couple to start us off with on uh, the Lion's Den message forum, which is a great time to remind you. Been talking about subscribing to uh, the show and the channel. We do great work here, but all of the stuff, everything you want to know, bluewhiteillustrated.com. You can sign up right now uh, and get access for a year, or you can get the monthly subscription. The year, by the way, is the deal you want to get to. Uh, Alex Birchmeyer, this is a question from H O H M A D W nineteen seventy eight. Bit surprised that Alex Birchmeyer did not get a few reps on Saturday. Lots of good reports coming through about the freshman lineman. What were your view on what's holding Alex back from playing a few snaps when available at this point? I think that's a really great question. What 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 have you seen the development from what we thought about him coming in to what he what's kind of resulted over the last couple of months? Yeah, I mean it, you can never fully predict a talented offensive lineman like Alex is a very talented offensive lineman, great uh, high school offensive lineman, great high school wrestler. So a lot of those things would translate when he got here in January, it looked like he was going to play right away based on his athletic numbers, based on his size numbers, strength numbers, things like that um, just hasn't come to uh, come to fruition. They played him out at tackle in the spring. It did not take. Um, so I think that that's probably something that puts him a little bit behind in terms of developing as a guard, potentially as a center. Uh, I think lower body, like if you look at the other guys in this class and you look at Birchmeyer, I think lower body sticks out uh, for Birchmeyer. So a, a, a year in the system, I think he'll be in, he'll have an opportunity to compete as a redshirt freshman. Beach Wine Guy asks uh, kind of a general question about what we saw on Saturday. Any concerns with the depth once they got on the field? Were, uh, where were the biggest drop-offs from the ones to the twos? And, and this is something Nate said post-game, and I don't know if this, kind of re, if, the, if this was reinforced in your second watch. Were there any drop-offs in terms of what you saw from the ones to the twos? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think at linebacker, it was one of those things where you looked at that and said that that's very different from your ones to your twos. Now, your ones are setting the bar pretty high there. Let's be honest, uh, with especially with Curtis Jacobs. I think Curtis Jacobs is playing really well coming out of the season, uh, coming out of the gates this season. Um, so that's that's one that you look at. Uh, you wanted to see more in terms of receivers, but Bo, uh, when Bo Pibula was in the game, they really didn't throw much. So it's it's so tough to sort of make that decision as to f- how far that drop is from those first, I would say, five guys. I mean, Amari Evans got in there. I mentioned uh, Christian Driver got in there, did some nice mm-hmm. things as well. But like that was as a blocker, like <laughs> I think what Bo, Bo threw five passes. Um, so I, I saw it in the comments a little bit earlier. I would have liked to see that a little bit too. Um, like maybe a little bit more traditional running of the offense. But as we've said, I think Penn state understands the situation going against Delaware. What's, uh, what's offered to them anyway. Um, so those were the two that I was looking going into, um, other than that with depth, I think corner is a spot where maybe you, you look at and you say, not as great as you once expected, but they're going to get take one Hardy back at some point. And that's uh, certainly going to boost that group as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to judge um, because of what was in front of you. Penn State did what they needed to do for the most part. First team, second team, um, even third team was in there. Guys that were, uh, you know, guys that got a chance to play uh, mm-hmm. like uh, those running backs, Tank Smith and Tyler Holes with Jason Estrella was in there, uh, walk on wide receiver. So I think it's really cool. Jake Wilson, defensive end, uh, you know, when those program guys can get in there and do that, I think that's good. Obviously, there's going to be a drop off there. But uh, yeah. I will say one thing like, there was a lot of Trey Potts love after the game yeah. on Saturday. And I thought he did a nice job. But I think there's, I mean, I think there's a pretty obvious gap there, right? Between the first two and, and yeah. Trey Potts. Potts uh, serviceable as a third guy. Absolutely what you would love to see out of him. But, you know, if one of those first two running backs goes down for for whatever reason, you've got, uh, I think you've got not issues, but it's going to be very different than uh, than if Nick Singleton and Katron Allen were in there. And that's, that's a pretty obvious uh, observation on my part, I think. Yeah, I wanted to ask kind of following up on something we talked about earlier. Cam Wallace not playing in this game, I thought was, we, we both kind of noticed that of those those program guys got in at the end of the game. Is there a special teams and or injury idea here of we want to hold those four games because we think he's good enough late in the season. We might have to use him and we want still want to have the option of having that red shirt and you don't want to burn one of his games early in the year, even if it is a Delaware game where he could get some good reps. That That's my read on it. I mean, I, I think it's different when you're talking about a guy at a position like that, where all of a sudden one guy goes down and that's a big step up. Like, so, so yeah. another offensive lineman goes down and Anthony Dunka has to take a step up that ladder, but it's not the big step up the ladder where he's going to, you know, end up filling in and getting, you know, regular reps and things like that. Yeah. I think with the running backs, that would be the way that I would see it. Wallace got reps with the third team in warmups and in a sense that I thought he was going to play. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. So, like I said, in, in the grand scheme of things, is it a huge surprise? Not necessarily when you get those carries to the the older guys, the walk-ons that, that have certainly earned them. But at the same time, you were just like, okay, maybe maybe we wanted to see a little bit of sneak peek of those running backs, and we didn't yeah. get Saturday. Yeah, and I, I guess the the framing is didn't get to play because it wasn't ready, or didn't get to play because he's too valuable, and we, there's maybe a future for him. And I think that's. You know, maybe the the conversation. I'm glad we had that conversation here on the show because it's something I I was thinking about this weekend. Tyler Elsden is going to come up again. Um, are there reasons? And this is from WT Nuke on the message board. Are there reasons I should be hopeful that Tyler Elsden can improve in a meaningful way, or should I hope somebody 
in particular is, should emerge as a co-starter. You know, Kobe King is the starting linebacker at this point, but another guy to take quality reps at that position. Is there is there somebody else, maybe wearing number eleven, that everyone wants to play middle linebacker? Uh, that that's my curiosity right there. Is uh, can is Abdul Carter the answer there? What do you do with Curtis Jacobs if that's the question? Do you, he has played some will? You know, he played some will against West Virginia last weekend, so he has the ability to be uh, versatile. Also, interesting just from talking to people in the program, like they think Curtis could play Mike if need be. I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily the best fit for Penn State's defense, but he can do it. So that's that's interesting to see there. Um, but yeah, from, from the first question, I mean, Elsden has put a lot on tape that makes you very apprehensive about throwing him out there. And we thought that maybe with getting taken care of the injury in the off season, whatever he had to do, um, that, that may help things, but to be honest with you, it, it, it really hasn't. So that's, uh, that's been tough to watch over the first couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to figure out something. Mike Keon Wiley was in there for a bunch on Saturday. So, you know, I think he's a guy that still continues to need to get bigger to take the pounding that he's going to take in the middle of that defense. Um, so that's kind of uh, where I stand with that. Um, okay, you're back. I saw yes. you disappear there for a second. I'm <laughs> like, I'm on my own now, and this is going to go terribly. So I thank have you for coming back. I have three camera batteries, and I charged all of them, and suddenly one of them died in the middle. I don't know. Maybe it was from my film study earlier today, which you can check out, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Recorded one of those. Lee W. asks, curious what our best passing percentage over the course of a season in modern history Penn State is. That's a great question. I don't know, but I can tell you, I went and I looked at the, the adjusted completion percentage according to PFF, which is it takes away any throwaways or drops from, from uh, the stat line. Right now, Drew Aller has completed 90% of his passes so far this season. That's impressive. And he's, you know, hasn't been super conservative. Uh, he was on, on Saturday, but uh, overall, I think he's been perfectly aggressive and has a completion percentage of 90%. That is really good. Seems okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good start for him. And, and I like that they haven't thrown a ton at him um mm -hmm. he's done some nice things with the, with what he's been asked to do again like i think one of his best plays last week was the on the first drive when he went to throw the screen to tyler warren the nickel or the outside linebacker who, whoever it was came up and was going to pick that ball off and run for six like that there yep. was no in between uh, the only thing that happens is if he drops it like that's the that's the best case scenario for penn state Drew eats it, gets a four-yard gain as a run. I know there's some comments in here about him taking some shots, but like I said, he's a big boy. He's going to be able to take some shots, and you want him to take him now so he's not shell-shocked by it when uh, a dude from Iowa comes up and, and and hits him in the first drive of the game uh, in the whiteout in a couple of weeks. So yeah. um, I think that those are the little things that you see from Drew Aller that you're encouraged by. And, uh, yeah, you you know he can make the throw. The, the, uh, the slant to Keandre after the touchdown was called back early in the game, the slant-ish post, you know, somewhere in between there, drops it over a linebacker, drops it in front of the defender, a ridiculous throw that looks very common coming from Drew Aller. Uh, it, yeah. like, it looks like he's used to doing those things. So I think that that's, uh, that's been the cool thing to watch is his progression and his, uh, his settling in to the offense over the first two weeks. I don't think you could really ask for much more. Yeah, it's you will, been... but yeah, you could. Yeah. <laughs> you will, but yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Michigan State? I want to ask. I wanted to ask you this before the show. We didn't get a chance to. Do you want to cover that conversation of um, the situation with Mel Tucker being fired by the program and and just the various aspects of how it could relate to the Big Ten? Do you want to cover that? Sure. I mean, we can talk okay. about 
I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics of his job. I think he's technically suspended, but I think he's done there. You know, I think that's okay. pretty, the, the reporting has been pretty obvious that he's not going to be back. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, bringing D'Antonio back into the fold is interesting to me um, because that's, uh, you know, a guy that's been floating around the program for a while there. Um, but it's it's kind of the same situation, uh, not same situation, but kind of the same conversation that we had with Northwestern a couple of months ago. Like, how does this happen? Actually, that's only been a month. My God, that's uh, wow. Yeah. How about that? Um, so anyway, uh, but uh, it's going to be a situation, I think, where they have the opportunity, those players to look around. I, I don't know that it's going to be a scenario where we see a mass exodus from from Michigan State. Um I don't think there's a gentleman's agreement. You see the question on the on the screen from PSU Ram. Do you make a push for any current Michigan State players? There's a Big Ten gentleman's agreement not to do so. No, I think that went out the door roughly to a few years ago. Um, so <laughs> I think that the, that's something that Penn State will be open to. Penn State spends time scouting other teams' rosters because we're in the transfer portal era. Now, they, they probably have a better idea of what Michigan State has. They recruit against Michigan State. They do some um, they, they do go head to head for some, for some transfers sometimes. But uh, I think that's um, something that Penn State will explore. I think something everybody will explore. It's just part yeah. of the reality now in college football. If that opportunity is going to be there for you, you have to you kind of owe it to yourself to take them up on that. Um, there are some names that have been um familiar or the Penn state has been familiar with from the recruiting process. So that's interesting. I think you look at this uh, Michigan state class and there, there are some guys there, like there are some guys that are worth looking for. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Penn state, you know, pop up on their follows and do, do all the sort of due diligence that we're used to, but it's going to come back uh, to Nick Marsh. Like that's yeah. the guy that you're going to look at. Penn state felt extremely good about Nick Marsh coming out of his official visit for good reason. And all of a sudden he pops back up at Michigan state. Now the reasons that he picked Michigan state, I know location is big. I know NIL was uh, prevalent in that recruiting as well. So does that change much with Michigan State? Do you see a situation where Michigan State sort of, I don't want to say backs away from their commitment to football, but they're, they're one of those schools that was very aggressive in terms of NIL, very aggressive in terms of the transfer portal. Um, so do you, for a PR, from a PR standpoint, take a step back from football and maybe, uh, you know, not go as hard into not lean as hard in the NIL. And it's going to depend yeah. on the guy that they hire. Let's be honest here. Um, yeah. Is it going to be a, a Michigan state guy? Is it going to be a guy that comes in and says, Hey, I need to lock down the state. So Nick Marsh, you are my top priority. You have to do this. It just depend, depends how big that window is because they're going to make an emphasis to keep those guys home. They're going to make an emphasis to, I mean, we're basically only talking about Marsh right now, but make an yeah. emphasis to keep him home, make an emphasis to say he's the most important part of this whole piece in 2024. Um, so that's going to be a tough sell, but I think there's going to be a window in there where it's, where it's going to be open. It's going to be open for Penn state to continue that line of conversation. Um, and we, we even said, I even said this a couple of weeks ago in our end zone, those lines of communication have remained open. I mean, I don't think it's a situation where they're, you know, talking to each other every day, but those lines of communications have, have remained open enough where you think that Penn state, if they wanted to get their foot in the door, and I think they do want to get their foot in the door would be able to do so. Yeah. And like going all the way back to the summer where you and Ryan were talking about, uh, this class and what's going to happen and the receiver position specifically of where they're going to find dudes. I, Ryan, especially, always said, don't forget, things happen in college football. You'll have uh, you know, coaches get fired, and you'll have guys crop back up late in the season. So this is a part of the story of the class of 2023. So if they don't sew up every single player immediately, 
there are opportunities down the road because they do exactly what you just said. And I just want to put a fine point on this because this is from a Michigan State perspective um, and an NIL money perspective. They're going to be fighting very hard to get out of uh, that Mel Tucker contract, which, if you remember, 10 years, $95 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed. How about that? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, they you're, are, you're not wrong. <laughs> they're going to be working very hard to find cause in his contract to avoid that so it's not fully guaranteed because that's a you know a massive investment in the program. And uh, not that I, I – I don't want to get into the the value of doing that or not doing that in terms of like should you spend that much money on a head coach, especially one who had not proven as much as some other guys. But at the same time, like your Michigan State, as you mentioned, going all in on football, and like that was part of the conversation of going all in on football. Um, so landing on a Michigan State topic here to end the show. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we get out of here, Fitz? Any last thoughts on the show? Uh, we got some things in the chat just to run through here. Do you buy the Franklin bit about how teams are going to have to prepare for Probula as, as a backup quarterback? Yes, I do. Like because he's so different than Drew, because he gives you something different that you have to prepare for, which is the quarterback run and a little bit more uh, discipline is in order for your defense to be ready for that. And you yeah. don't prepare to knock out a quarterback, but you have to prepare for what's out there. And and I think that because they are so different, I think that does, you, you do have to spend some time in the week being prepared if number nine comes in there. So I don't necessarily it's think it's something where Penn state's going to take drew off the field. Cause I don't, I don't know that that makes them any better or more of a threat to score, um, yeah. but you're going to have to prepare for it. And that's what, uh, that's what these teams of analysts and these teams of uh, assistant coaches will be focused on for at other programs um, just uh, just in the coming weeks. The, um, the, the thing that I keep thinking about and something somebody brought up uh, over the weekend was, I think it was on the post game show. Were you concerned or do you think that Bo Perbula runs the ball too much or why do they call so many runs for Bo Perbula? And I'm like, well, that's not how the play works. A read option play, there's an option to give the ball or to keep it. And if you're Delaware and the run game has been crushing you all day and suddenly, and you're, by the way, you prepared all week for Drew Aller, suddenly there's a running quarterback in there who will pull the ball and run. So if they'd called straight runs, you would have seen, you, you would have seen a lot more Tank Smith. You would have seen right. a lot more Trey Potts, but I, it is in his nature to run the ball more and to see it a little. I think James Franklin talked about it uh, either post game or at some point this week of your your running quarterback sees the field differently and can provide those options and and has um, there is a value in showing that and having that on your roster. I still think seeing uh, Bo Prabula in the T formation would bring everything to a new level. Uh, but of course you obviously want to have Drew Aller out there on critical third downs and fourth downs, but interesting, interesting thoughts fits speaking, as always speaking into existence there, put it, put him in the T formation. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. That's all the giants used it last night. Um, yep. yeah, the giants did not uh, do many things well last night, but I think they, they got a first down when they used the T. So that's nice. Yeah, uh, they they uh, they've been watching a lot of Penn State football. Apparently, that not the first time either. By the way, uh, Mike Yersich drawn up some stuff that people really like. I uh, I'm always impressed by the way he can evolve those things. And just one last little nugget of 
you've got a six five quarterback at the goal line, so maybe you don't want to put Bo Prabula in there because he can he can get some push at the at the goal line and get a touchdown as well. Well, well on that, the design quarterback run is is not gone from the playbook. Like Drew yep. can do it. Like he, I think what he run four times on Saturday. I think two of them or five times, uh, two of them were design runs. I mean, they'll do it. Like he they did it against West Virginia, ran a QB power down near the goal line. Like that's yep. uh he's a big dude and he's hard to bring down. He's not the fastest guy out there, but like he's fast enough. And if he gets ahead of steam, I know you as a bills fan who has a big night tonight, um, knows that when he's six, five, 245 pound quarterback, it's moving forward. You know, that he brings, he brings something there. So, um, no, I, I, I disagree with the comments that you shouldn't run him. I disagree with the, the, the whole, don't lay him out there for, for big hits. He's going to have to take a hit at some point. And it's, uh, it, you saw on Saturday, that's probably where you want him taking it as opposed to in a couple of weeks when, when Iowa's defense is trying to swarm. Yeah. And I'll agree that, uh, at having watched Josh Allen run at the goal line for three years, I do like the fact that Penn state has power backs and guys that have strength that you don't have to rely on your quarterback being your goal line back. Like you did with Sean Clifford a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, so it's, it's always, a, it's always a balancing act, right? I mean, you just want to have as many options as possible. And that option happens to be six, five, two forty. you know, that, that helps as well. That'll do it today for the BWI live show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That is Sean Fitz doing an excellent job providing you insight. If you want more of that insight, you want more of that analysis, go to bluewhiteillustrated.com. Should say this more on the show because it is true. The best coverage you're going to get at Penn State football, basketball, wrestling is at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We give you the good stuff there from our premium content to our message board content. It is well worth your time and money. And by the way, I think it's $109 right now. That's not even $10 a month. So it's a super duper investment in your favorite hobby of Penn State sports. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Once again, for Sean Fitz, we will talk to you on Wednesday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Facebook.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.